It's the ones at the back. They'll come to order eventually. Good evening and welcome this evening to this service of healing and reconciliation. And thank you for being here. <clears throat> it's an encouragement because uh, it demonstrates that regardless how the last 12 months or so has affected you personally, you still care. And that's a real encouragement. So thank you very much for being here. Uh, and welcome to Wes Sutton and the ACORN team who will be involved as we go forward in this service. Um, and during the service, we will be sharing communion at one stage, and uh, there will be also a time of prayer ministry after that, and people will be invited as they wish to come forward for that. And we think we're, this should take about an hour of your Sunday evening. So thank you for that time. I'm going to lead us with a little word of scripture and an opening prayer, and then hand over to Wes. Book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait upon him, to the soul that seeks him. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we come in our need to knock on heaven's door, to ask for your help. We are weak, you are strong. We are empty, and yet your grace overflows. We are fearful, and yet you are faithful. Come to us now, that our prayers may take flight in the power of your spirit, that our faith may be strengthened, and our trust in you made firm, that our hope may be in your kingdom, and that hope may be reawakened in us. Jesus, you brought good news to the poor. You proclaimed relief to those in prison and recovery of sight to the blind. Demonstrate your kingdom here in both healing and renewal, that we might sing again of your great love and share the story of that love with the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, good evening. We're going to spend just a few moments uh, in uh, the presence of God worshipping. Words will appear on the screen. Uh, if you'd like to stand with me, and uh, if you don't know the words, you'll pick them up very uh, easily. We bow down. In this place 
as we come to communion. I grew up uh, in a Baptist church and can still recite the Baptist communion service by heart. Well, at least the one that we used, although I'm sure that Simon is much more creative than that. But I would like to read just um, a verse as a moment of reflection. And it comes at the moment of if you like, the last first supper, if I can put it that way. As Jesus comes to the upper room to celebrate uh, the Passover, we call it the last supper for him. But of course, it was the first supper for us. But actually, there was another one. And it is recorded in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And it was the first Passover. Bear in mind that um, animal sacrifice had been known in uh, cultures uh, around uh, the Jews, around uh, Egypt, uh, the nations, but nothing quite like this moment where the blood would be applied to the thing that gave you shelter and security and this passing over of judgment and of death. And the Jews reenacted that every year. And Jesus draws his disciples to this. This is what he would have known. And it interested me in 
having transferred and to another church culture and having experienced communion both in this country in different church cultures and around the world how it's how it's done but for the Jews this was the instruction given to them at that last first supper and verse 11 of chapter 12 reads this is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand eat it in haste although please not for the sake of indigestion do anything um, odd but it says eat it in haste it is the Lord's Passover and as we come to uh, the breaking of bread tonight um, those instructions still echo with us I'm not suggesting you tuck your coat or anything in but just that sense that something more than a simple remembering was taking place this is a memorial but as my Baptist pastor taught me we do this to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and the communion service has always had both a looking back and a looking forward in it not just simply to the moment of Christ's return which I need to assure you is being planned it is going to happen but actually a moment of looking forward for us individually for me as I receive communion tonight it is an opportunity for me to thank God for the forgiveness of the past but to look about how I will be in the future as I await this coming of the King and the cloak tucked in your belt the sandals on your feet and the staff in your hand have very clear imagery for us because this is a, a moment of release from slavery and oppression the Passover this memorial this service this thing that we will enact in the church that the Jews enacted for years that has been passed down to us as Paul says for I receive from the Lord that which I passed on to you and this is a service by which we mark something every time we do it but tonight just like the Jews in Egypt this is a moment of release from slavery and oppression Interestingly enough, for the Jews, this was a moment of leaving the past behind. From the moment they took the, the Passover lamb, as we enact it here in some form, from that moment on, they were no longer slaves. It was over. God had come to set his people free. And all the instructions meant that this was a moment of release. They were no longer what they were. This was a leaving of something and the past behind. But it's also a moment of new identity. Because they had been beaten and oppressed into forced labour. They had been maltreated. They were regarded by the Egyptians as a people of no value and no significance their heritage and their dignity and their story had been robbed from them and yet in this moment God says you are mine you have been bought with a price you belong to me and as you will know, and the theologians are now flicking through their internal concordances to come up to that moment where God reenacts that place where the firstborn are redeemed. The firstborn males are redeemed because now Israel belongs to God. No longer slaves, no longer known as this, but now known as that, God's people. It was a moment of 
moving towards a destiny. It was leaving behind history. It was embracing a new identity about ourselves. The new identity as you receive bread and wine tonight, that you are no longer what has been in the past. Tonight, God would call you something different. And he invites you to do the same for yourself and for one another. And can I assure you that in spirit, that message will leak out of this building. That people will understand we're not what we used to be. Because we belong to God and there is a new story, a new identity about us. But it's also a moment for moving towards a new destiny. A new sense of purpose and calling. As God called Israel out, as they left considerably with some riches, as the account in the Old Testament gives them. But they stepped out, and yes, it did take them a little bit of time to get there. But they stepped out towards the promised land. They stepped out to a future that would define them forever. The Lord's people in the promised land. And destiny is reality as God defines it. Destiny is reality as God defines it. Not as history defines it and not as you might be tempted to define it, but as he defines it. When he speaks and says, this is who Milford Baptist Church is. That's the reality. He gets to speak it out. Just as with his own son. As he comes out of the waters of baptism, which is interesting in a Baptist church tonight. And God says, you are my son. That was the identity. That was the defining reality as Jesus moves into ministry. It is an unknown journey, absolutely. It was an unknown journey for Israel as they left. There was no sat-nav, uh, practical or spiritual. There was just the cloud and the pillar of fire. And they just had to follow. I don't know about you, but I, I, um, I like to be in charge, don't you? I like to be in control of things. I, I, are there any good passengers in the car? You know, you're, you're the sort of people who, when somebody else is driving, you don't have a second brake in the seat well or a second steering wheel. We like that. We like to be in control. Interesting thing for Israel is they didn't have control of their destination. They simply had to follow. We may not all be leaders, but we're all followers. We may not all be shepherds, but we're all sheep. And Simon and I, we are still sheep, even though we're shepherds. I can still go, bah, most of the time. I try not to go, but, but, because we're all still sheep. We're all following. We're all serving. When they do come to the promised land, God has to remind Joshua and the people of Israel. It says, then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. And it was simply that you'd have to follow. You'd have to follow the day by day, week by week, month by month, prompting and leading of the Holy Spirit to know which way to go, which way to do. When we first started leading uh, the church in Loughton, um, somebody asked me what my ministry plan was. I said to be here next week was my ministry plan. We were very small. So tonight, I'd like to encourage you to tuck your cloak into your belt. It speaks of dealing with anything that would hinder the free movement towards all that God has called you. And I can't do that for you, and you can't do that for anybody else. You have to do that for yourself. You have to put yourself before God and say, metaphorically, I'm tucking my cloak into my belt. I'm not, I've given up my story. I've given up my offense. I've given it all up. Because at this table in a few moments God is making you an outrageous offer not just of life 
in eternity, but eternity beginning now. And you get to live that together. So can I encourage you to tuck your cloak into your belt? Can I encourage you to put your sandals on? Leads you to that thought of the, your feet shod with the equipment of the gospel of peace. But I think it's much simpler than that. I think the idea of the first Passover was that Israel knew they were going to go somewhere. They were leaving. And can I encourage you tonight as you come and as you receive bread and wine as it's passed to you and as you're served, um, in your heart, determine that you're going to live in a different place. Please don't sell your house and move somewhere else. But you are going to put your heart and your life in a different place before God and before one another. And can I encourage you to have your staff in your hand? I have a shepherd's crook in my um, uh, hallway. Uh, somebody suggested that um, perhaps I had aspirations of becoming a bishop, to which I said, are you out of your tiny mind? Why would I ever do that to myself? But actually the staff was the thing that you lent on and supported you, that steadied you. And can I encourage you to have your staff in your hand tonight as you receive bread and wine. Find a place in God that will hold you steady. That on this journey that you will take together, that as you receive bread and wine today, as it literally enters you, then can I encourage you to step into a new place with God and with one another today? There are two things that will support you in this journey. The first is your confidence in God. The second is your trust in one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have always called your people, whether Israel or the church, to be a pilgrim people, to be journeying for the sake of the kingdom of God, but to be putting ourselves in a place where we rely wholly on you and we journey with one another. And so, Lord, as your word has touched our ears, may it now touch into our hearts. And these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Wes. Before we come to the table, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a communion hymn, Behold the Lamb. We can stand and sing this together.
words to be seated. Could the two folks who are joining me to serve communion today come up? And if no one's been assigned, I'll have two volunteers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you both. I was reflecting on this meal um, earlier today, and I was thinking, we do, within our tradition, think about this as a table of remembrance, and as Wes has rightly reminded us, this is not just a history lesson. This is far more than a history lesson. But I was thinking, what would I remember as I gaze at this table? And I suppose one of the things I would came to mind was that word betrayal. It's a funny word, isn't it? You know, we think of many things here, but do we think of this as a, a table of betrayal? And in one sense it is. It is the result of betrayal, isn't it? That we, that Jesus gave up his life for us. You know, if we think about betrayal, we think of Judas and how he betrayed Jesus. We might think of Peter, who denied him. Oh. And the rest of them, they just ran away, apart from some of the women, actually, who remained. But in one way or another, they all portrayed their beloved Lord, their Jesus. And we all can do the same. And then I reflected, what are the next words that Jesus said to them after his resurrection? Now, here he has been betrayed by this lot. What does he say to them? Can anybody remember when he appears amongst them? 
come on, some of you, don't be shy. Peace be with you. Absolutely. John 20 and verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood amongst them and he said, Peace be with you. And just in case they hadn't heard it, again Jesus said, Peace be with you. So that's how he responded, how Jesus responded to his betrayal. He continued to represent for us the love of God, the grace of God. Peace be with you. And this is what this table is. It represents that sort of love. And it's an example for us to respond to as well. So look, here is the Lord's table spread as for a feast. Bread for breaking, wine poured out for drinking. Signs of his love and hospitality. Symbols of his life broken and his blood poured out. He is not dead. He is risen. He is present amongst us. Evidence of God's grace and promise. So we come to this table, you and I, companions on the journey, some fresh and eager, others weary and in need of nourishment, all of us conscious of our failings. But come, don't hesitate. The feast is ready, and the Lord himself invites you. We remember that it was the night of the Passover and Jesus' friends were sharing supper together with him. While they were eating, he told them that one of them would betray him. And they were appalled. They protested, saying, not I, Lord. I would never betray you. But Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, take this. This is my body. And he took the cup of wine, and after giving thanks, passed it amongst them, and saying as they drank, This is my blood of the covenant. It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. I'll lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving. Creating and redeeming God, we give you thanks and praise for your covenant of grace, a grace expressed in sinful people who know forgiveness, the weary who are refreshed, the hungry who are nourished, the captives who are set free, the oppressed who experience liberation. Thank you that you choose to make us part of your story. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who reveals your love in his death and resurrection, who continually shares his life with us through bread and wine. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit, who sustains us in our walk together, helping us to watch over each other, to pray for one another, and to work together for your kingdom. We eat this bread and we drink this cup. Signs of hospitality and grace. May we be empowered to serve boldly wherever you may call. Accept our prayers. Accept our heartfelt thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus. Amen. One people, one loaf, a sign of our common faith and a testimony to the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take this food, this loaf, food for faith, and feed upon it with thanksgiving. We eat the bread as we are served.
One people, one cup, a sign of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. It is a covenant sealed by his blood. When we drink, we must be thankful and agreed never to forget. We drink together once we have all been served. One cup, one body, one Lord, Jesus Christ. Father God, we want to thank you this meal, a meal none of us ever deserved, yet a meal offered to us by grace and love. Lord, we recognize ourselves as one body before you. We recognize you as our Lord and our Savior. Help us as we go from this place to live in the light of who you are, in Jesus Christ. Amen.
there is no symbolism in moving the keyboard. It's just to create a bit of space. As we come to uh, the end of our service, there are two things that I would like to um, bring to us. The first is a short um, reconciliation liturgy that we use. There is great power in putting in words the things that we need to say, both to God and to one another, the Lord's Prayer being one of them. And after we have uh, said this, and I'd like to invite you to respond uh, with the words in bold as they come. And then uh, after that, um, we are going to take a few moments and the worship team is going to, to play, but the uh, ACON prayer team are here. And uh, at the end of this, I will invite them to uh, come forward. And we would like to pray for you all. Um, we won't be asking for your life story. We won't be asking for anything that's wrong with you or anything else. We simply want today to bless you, to pray God's words of grace and affirmation over each of you. Um, sometimes we do that through, with, with oil. Jesus sends disciples out to anoint uh, the sick with oil, to bring his healing presence. But sometimes it's just done as in the Acts of the Apostles with the laying on of hands, just a hand gently rested on your shoulder. It's not simply saying, there, there, we're with you. But Simon the sorcerer saw that God's grace came through the laying on of hands as the apostles reached out and touched them. And so we would like to take a moment just to pray for each of you. If you're not able to um, physically move to the front to where the team are, then please uh, just stay in your seat and indicate that somebody will come to you and pray. If you would prefer um, not to be prayed with tonight, that's absolutely fine. And can I suggest that you do uh, what all of us are familiar with, is if you just sat quietly in your seat with your head bowed in prayer, trust me, nobody is going to interrupt you. So if you would prefer to remain seated and uh, just to be in your own heart, uh, then please do that. But if you would like to be prayed for, there is incredible power, as the apostles understood to speak words of blessing and grace. And the prayer team who are with me tonight are all part of our senior team. And uh, who knows what God might impart to you. Our prayer has been that you will not simply get the suggestion of the prayer, but that you will get the substance and the reality of it in that same moment. So I'll give instruction as we come to that. But as we come to this moment of literary, could I invite you to stand with me, if you're able? We are gathered today to present ourselves to God and to seek his blessing on our lives, on one another, and upon this church community. We have given into his hands our own personal stories and the shared story of the whole church. We come to acknowledge together that we have laid the past down at his feet and now journey together so that his kingdom by, might be made known among us and revealed through us. So let us pray. O Lord, raise up, we pray, your power and come among us. Whereas through our sin and weakness we have been hindered in running the race that is set before us, in your boundless grace and mercy, come speedily to help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. Is it your desire and intention to walk together in the fullness of life that Christ has made available to you as a church community. With the help of God, we will. Is it your desire and intention to walk in the light of his presence with each other? With the help of God, we will. 
Will you act justly toward one another, seeking one another's good and blessing? Will you love mercy in your dealings with an another, seeking to build up and not tear down? Will you walk humbly before God together, remembering that all are precious and valuable in the Father's sight? The Apostle Paul writes, I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for you, who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that can be invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Is it your desire and intention to know Christ better among you and to only regard one another with the wisdom God gives? This is our desire and intention. Is it your desire and intention to live as a church in submission to Christ as head of the church and directed by his word? Wonderful promises. I want you to know that heaven heard as well as one another. It says in the book of Nehemiah, then those who feared the Lord met together. And names were written in a book and the Lord heard. He has heard you tonight. Therefore, in the light of the declarations you have made, I bless you in the name of the Father whose love is towards you. I bless you in the name of the Son who died in your place that you might together live in him. And I bless you in the name of the Holy Spirit. May his presence be among you and between you as you journey together in humility and peace. Amen. Amen. So please take your seat. And these guys are going to play. If you would like to, if you could just move those chairs for us, I think that would be helpful to create a little bit of space. As we just worship in these moments together as we're led, if you would like to be prayed for, then please just come and make your way uh, to the space here. And the team will pray for you. Can I ask the team to come forward now, please? Can I just say, I trust all of these people with my life. Um, I would be prayed for by any of them. In fact, I have been, I think. <laughs> so, Father, here we come. If you'd like to be prayed for, just come now. Come to one of the team and they will pray for you.
a closing prayer. Lord, how strange it is that you should call us to be your church. Yet you have always worked through women and men in the working of your purpose. Through prophets, disciples, leaders, followers, preachers, listeners, you have called your people that your redeeming love might work through them. Above all in Jesus, your word has become flesh and a human being has lived your will. You've died for us and you've raised him for us, that he might be our foundation and our head. Fill us with his love, that we might truly be his disciples. Accept our worship, accept our prayers, our intentions, our gifts, and grant us your grace, that we might be faithful to our calling as your church. Deepen our faith, strengthen our love, increase our hope that we might be an offering acceptable to you and available for your good and perfect will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Go in peace.